Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm not intending to become a monk and go to a, a monastery and spend the rest of my life in silence. You've told me in the past that you would love to do that. I'm on the edge. <laughs> I think I've heard my mom talk about her sex life to me like three times. As far as I know, they've had sex four times and it resulted in four children. My parents are open talking about it all the time is disgusting welcome to sex talk with my mom i'm cam poter and i'm karen lee poter my mother is a sex expert cougar and the world's oldest living millennial and my son is a stand-up comic clown a buddhist clown and mime together we chat about sex why do we do this mother we started doing it initially for the laughs and then we realized it was very moving it was very moving to people and so now we do it because we realize that this could actually decrease a lot of sexual shame and violence and increase pleasure just by talking about it. So welcome to our party. And my friends, today we have quite an episode for you. It's a little compilation episode. In light of the holiday season. And the eight nights of Hanukkah. We decided to do a little a little religious episode. A little combo. I wouldn't actually call it a religious episode. I would call it more of an intersection of sex and religion. We realize that we talk to people of all different backgrounds, and a lot of times we find that religion affects people's sex lives, especially early on. Yes, the way that it's discussed in the household, how they, you know, how they perceive masturbation and and having sex before marriage, and so we decided to compile some of our favorite clips involving religion and sex. So we had several several different religions, including our own, which is Jewish. Uh, you want to read some of these? Yeah, sure. We started with the apostolic Christian faith. That was a mouthful, by the way. We went to Mormons. Buddhists. Catholic down south. Quakers. Christian Bible-based. You, you got the winner non -denominational here. Non-denominational fundamentalist Christian as well. So we happen to have talked to a lot of uh, Christian-based uh, faiths, and this episode is not in any way meant to be anti-Christian. Or anti any of these faiths. And this is not anti-faith. This is just telling stories, it um, you know that relate to how people grew up in with their religion and how that's affected their sex right. lives. They basically came up and during conversation. Some of them we did not even realize were members of cults that it came out in the middle of a, of an interview. Yeah, so, it was wild. Very um, interesting. So very be, funny. The reason I say this is because it doesn't. It, it, you're you're going to hear it doesn't always bode well when the person has very strong religious upbringing in terms of their sex lives today. Well, like in terms of the Jewish faith, I, I mean, there's we're not at any means orthodox, and some of these religions that were discussed here were pretty extreme. You know, they were right, like, right, and almost to the form of cult. But our Jewish faith, and especially us growing up, Reformed Judaism, which is a very liberal liberal take on Judaism. Yeah, what is what? What? You know, what how you does know, sex fit into the Reformed Judaism? Judaism? Um, well, I know that you know in a more of the traditional ways of looking at it, and in the early Bible days, it was like considered a mitzvah, a good deed to have sex on uh, Friday nights, I believe. Oh wow! So that was the night to get lucky. 
well, I think it's Friday. It might be Saturday. Oh, my maybe God. A, or maybe it's Sunday and the day of rest. Okay. I don't remember what day it is, the mitzvah, but it's a good day to have sex. So, was, And there's certain days that you're not supposed to have sex, too. I don't remember. There was no discussion in my Hebrew school or Sunday school of masturbation or sex before marriage. The only remembrance I have of, of your brother going to Hebrew school was that some kid wrote, fuck you, on the lockers in the, in the bathroom, in the bathroom stalls. <laughs> That's all I know about anything related to having sex or fucking. <laughs> so you don't think it, your your Jewish upbringing did not have any effect on your sex life? No. I, I think my Jewish upbringing was one of um, more of a welcoming discussion on sex. I think there was like... Did you talk to your parents about sex? Yeah, because my dad was a doctor mostly and he gave me the terms. You know, I knew I was not... I never said the wor- normal words like, you know, poo-poo a pee-pee i had to say urinate and defecate and vaginas and penises and i like that you're the first word related to sex is poo-poo for you well are you we're not going down the anal route right now are we <laughs> yeah no, that's okay. exactly no, we're what not i thought going you were down going the down the an- no that. i'm not doing that anyway so back to what we were saying this is going to be a fun little episode we we didn't want you to miss out on these some of these are from several years ago and we didn't want you to miss out on these so once you hear these little clips hopefully you'll go back and listen to the long version of, of these episodes because they're great almost all of them have some humor in it and some tragedy so i think you'll like it uh in the description of this episode we'll put all the episodes the names of all the episodes where you can find uh these clips and, and listen to the full thing if you're interested. Right. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Right. So, and by the way, this list is not at all comprehensive. No, so there were so many more religions. We <laughs> have not talked to any, we, we have talked to Hindu people, but it hasn't come up actually that No, much. I'm just saying that I didn't even get a chance to scrub through and listen to all the different episodes that we have because right. there's probably a lot more We are lacking episodes. though. We are lacking Hindu, Muslim. We're looking for a Hindu, Muslim, and Sikh. Sikh. Yeah. All right. We There's a lot of religions that we didn't cover. Okay. We didn't get to Jehovah's so if, Witnesses. We didn't get to a lot of them. We'll, we'll work on that in 2019. So if you guys have suggestions for people that have certain religious backgrounds that haven't aforementioned, let us know. <laughs> okay. A couple of announcements before we jump into this episode. Numero uno. We are very excited to announce that we now have Sex Talk with My Mom stickers. And they're awesome. They look badass. You can put them anywhere. Yeah, put them on your head. Put put them them on your car. Put put them on on your computer. Put them on your dick. Yeah, walk around with a sticker of (laughs) me in a cougar outfit and you and it's a mime on your dick. So, you know, it is the giving season and we're going to give to you. And if you want to give to us, one great way to do that is through our Patreon. That is our community where we put out bonus content um, related to this podcast. We usually put out like a 10-minute... after episode when we when we have guests on and cam very often will um shows a lot of skin in these little <laughs> posts on patreon that i don't is know not true yeah he shows skin no i do not yeah he walks around in his boxers are you pimping me out right I'm now i'm pimping him out so if you want to see cam uh oh natural go to our patreon slash sex talk with my mom but we're giving away stickers to anyone who is our patron by the end of the year Right. And How those, do you like that? You got a free sticker. Yeah. Those and those stickers are going to go on sale on our website uh, for three dollars and fifty cents. Where did you come up with that random number? Uh, that is the going rate for stickers these days. I, oh, I looked okay. up. And also, 
that means that if you join our Patreon at a $3 rate, you're saving 50 cents and you're supporting us. So And we have to pay for postage, so it's actually a uh, lose-lose for us. <laughs> Good idea, Cam. Okay. okay. Glad you're the business behind the, the brains. Business behind the brains. The brains behind the biz. We also want to let you know that next Monday, we usually put out a morning after show on Mondays where we, we talk uh, directly to you, our loving listeners. Uh, and respond to your texts and voicemails. But we will be traveling this Monday. So We're off to a, that down under. We're going down under. We're going to see some kangaroos. We're going to put shrimp on the Barbies. We're going to do a lot of fun things. We're going to Australia. So we will not be able to put out a Monday morning after show. But we will be, we will be back on that Thursday with another episode that you will not want to miss. However, if you subscribe, you never know. There might be a time that you get some... Uh, a random live stream or things like that will be happening. So just make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or go to YouTube and subscribe there. And I wanted to read a wonderful review that someone left us. Thank you. I'd like to hear it. This says five stars is, is an understatement. Five stars. I love the blunt and honest relationship Cam and Karen Lee share. This podcast is an amazing gem that I can't stop listening to. Thanks for the laughs you guys have provided me. You're welcome, Alex Neon. That is extremely sweet of you to say. Thank Mother, you, Alex. Are you moved? I'm always moved. Whenever I hear these comments, I'm moved. She's, she calls this an amazing gem. Amazing gem is always what I want to hear. Uh, I want to um, jump right in here. Okay, let's delve into it. Are so you ready, peeps? I'm ready. This first episode, uh, this, this first uh, little clip. clip is from... The clip we did with Rochelle. It's one of our first episodes we've ever done. Right. She's a, a fellow comic. She's a stand-up comedian. And we did have a bizarre hookup experience that we divulged in the rest of this interview. So you might want to go back and listen yeah, to it. Yeah, you definitely want to hear this. But before we... This is how we started the interview. By talking a little bit about her um, faith growing up in the apostolic Christian tradition. And uh, how that has affected her sex life. There is a reason that we're bringing Rochelle on the show today. Would you want to go ahead and tell your thoughts? Well, there are a couple of reasons that I was excited to have you as a guest. Yeah. Number one, Rochelle um, grew up in a Christian cult. <laughs> no. True? True or false? <laughs> That's a little extreme wording, but yeah, very, very um, conservative. Very conservative. So she... she it was not like, like the, you know, drinking the, the purple punch. And, no. Okay. I didn't live on a commune. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's dive in there. So, all right, bef- before we start calling it a cult, was it actually a cult? What What is this thing? Well, it's like kind of like a cult, like Mormonism is a cult. You know what I mean? It's just like you can only marry in the church and there's only like 12,000 people and it's passed down from my grandparents and there's a lot of rules. Like you can't paint your nails and you can't like dance and you can't date at all. Is that like an Amish cult? Yeah, it's more... Uh, it's kind of like Amish, yeah, or Quaker is more related to Quaker. And you you wear the whole garb. There's a whole. There's like a veil, and like you wear like long blue jean skirts a lot of the time. Oh wow! Like and you and, wore all this growing up. Yeah. Wow. wow. And l- another question: There's no like sexual component here. Like you have to have sex with the chief or all those kind of things, like you oh, see on the, the chief. On, <laughs> like. like like, do you have a chief? No. <laughs> I, I've been watching way too much Banshee. Yeah, it's too. You've yeah. been watching the TV version. Yeah, it's nothing like that. No. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that that wasn't an issue. No, it wasn't an issue. What was the sexual etiquette? Um, my dad told me just never unbutton my pants ever. 
front of a man. No way. That's good advice. Good advice, yeah. That is so funny. So. And did you? I had my first kiss when I was 20 years old. Okay. Oh. Yeah. In college. I went crazy in college. Crazy. I had a kiss. (laughs) Wild chick. Did it have tongue or not? Yes. Oh. I had waited a long time, you understand. <laughs> so, and then, and after you had that kiss, did it just f- go into like full out like craziness? And, and I like, started crying, and I said, "Told him I thought my first kiss was going to be with my husband." <laughs> was this guy ready to propose? No, he like promptly kicked me out. <laughs> it was humiliating. Did he have any clue that you grew up? in this um, tradition. Oh, he knew that I was like really innocent, but I don't he think. He had no idea what yeah, he was in for. No. What was your first kiss like? <laughs> what? My first kiss was not when I was 20 years old, by the way. That was my main question. My main question was how do you walk around in those kind of clothes too? Did you think you were going to marry the guy that you first kissed? Hell no. <laughs> Did your dad say to not unbutton your pants? No, I think my dad just got mad when I had holes in my pants, which is the style. Oh. Yeah. Did you remember me saying anything to you about not kissing before you I remember you pushing me to kiss. <laughs> okay. Moving on to our friends, Chris and Colin, who were the hosts of the Celestial Sex Podcast. Who are Mormons. They are Mormons and they get into it. You likely have some Mormons who are listening, at least a few. Oh, definitely. And this, uh, for Mormons, this would be a first discussion, uh, (laughs) is when when Mormon missionaries (laughs) show up at your house and teach you about the the basic principles of the Mormon church. So Colin and I will slip into our missionary (laughs) mode. Are both of you even part of the church still or what? what? So I, I identify as Mormon still, but... I'm I'm trying to like forge the a new kind of Mormon that doesn't go to church and doesn't believe in all of it, but still calls themselves Mormon. If that so you, identi- you identify with the Mormon faith. Yeah, yeah. That's how we. I, I I would say we're not as extreme, but as far as Jews go, we are. We practice some of the very you know some of the customs, but we're basically, you know. We're very, very liberal Jews. Yeah, exactly, and that's say? it's yeah. very much like a heritage thing. Right, yeah, right. you identify My families generations back. I love the food. <laughs> yeah, Mormon <laughs> food. I didn't know there was Mormon food. Yeah, what oh. would Mormon food look like? Well, it's prepared in an enormous dish. It looks like catering at every meal <laughs> because there's so many wives. Honestly, uh, it's really <laughs> Mormon food's pretty gross. I'm not actually. A fan. Oh, God. if you've All had right. funeral potatoes, jello uh, molds, a lot of casseroles. Oh my gosh! Yeah. All right, well, this sounds like typical. So yeah, so Mormons, uh, right? They're not polygamists anymore. But they tend to have larger families than the rest of the United States. Is birth control Um, part of their... uh, So a lot of Mormons use birth control, uh, every type, right? I I am divorced. My ex-wife had uh, an IUD. I think she'd feel comfortable with me (laughs) talking about that. Sharing that birth control? (laughs) But, But like, so in that, like, okay, we're a Mormon married couple, an IUD was part of that. However her process of getting an IUD was traumatic. Uh, As far as, yeah, being like sex positive or being uh, informed about health and that kind of thing, like people have to seriously take it upon themselves to do their research and advocate for themselves because doctors will tell you not to, uh, for example, get an IUD. Or uh, if you're unmarried at BYU, you probably can't get access to the pill. 
hmm. to birth control. Damn. Yeah, that kind of shit. I mean, what, what were you even told growing up? Like what sex was or how to think about sex? Yeah. Or like, how, was it allowed? Where should sex fit into your life? Hmm. Yeah, it. you wait until marriage and then it's great and it's beautiful. Oh, so wow. That's, so there is kind of some like light at the end of the tunnel. It's not always. <laughs> don't do it. Bad, don't do it. Right. Some it's, religions are, you just don't do it. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a huge sin until you get married and then it's like totally fine. But that actually causes some trauma and some really hard transitions in people. They'll get married and they have a really hard time switching their brain to like, this is okay. Right. And a lot of people, especially Mormon women will go through a phase where they have to like really get used to like, Oh, this is okay, and I, I don't have to feel guilt about this anymore. Oh, wow. Because they've internalized that so yeah. much their whole lives. Holy men too, shit. for sure. Yeah, men too. Well, and this is this is coming from our hetero perspective, our cis hetero perspective. Oh, I can't oh, even imagine yeah. the gay perspective. Right? The gay perspective oh is you never get to have sex. Gay sex doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed gay marriage, obviously. Right. Correct. Wow. Yeah, not, you can't be Mormon and uh, gay married. You are Mormon, gay, celibate. By the time I was off my mission and with the person that would end up becoming my ex-wife, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd started like being sexual with each other and were together for a couple of years before we got married. But it wasn't until then that we like, yeah, had penetrative sex, right? So it also, like because that was my first time, I, not because of, but in conjunction, I was not good at talking about what I wanted. I didn't really have a grasp on consent, hmm. consent within marriage, right? Like, oh, because it involves a lot of communication. Absolutely. Wait a second. So, <laughs> was she like just going along with it in silence, or what yeah, was- there were a lot of moments where that happened, mm-hmm. and that is uh, such a uh, pain point, I'm sure, for her, but for me as well to like come to terms with the fact that I was part of that, right? To have sex with someone who may not have been in the mood but didn't feel like she could speak up and hmm. we were just doing it anyways. So right? it was like an obligation for her. Yeah, which is not to absolve myself at all, but the, it is taught, right? It's taught to women within Mormonism, uh, either like one-on-one or just the the idea is that women are property. Basically. Oh, man. Right? That mm. still exists. That- and that's a cultural thing, not a doctrinal thing, but it's powerful in the in the community. It's somewhat doctrinal. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. These boys are unbelievable. By the way, this episode was hilarious. This I mean, it got a little serious in this in these moments. Yeah, they're both comics. But I got to tell you something. Uh that was something I never really thought about is that you have to actually switch gears if you're a woman to no, don't touch me to I'll do it whenever you want for it. For men as well. Yeah. It was a, it, he's, he was saying that for both genders. Right. Yeah. It, it's By really the way, interesting. I, he, Chris, uh, Colin still considers himself to be Mormon, and he, he's trying to kind of bridge that gap, it, like accepting like a more sex-positive, um, reformed Mormonism. And Chris... D- is no longer part of that faith, so I, I, we should, we should be careful when we call them both Mormons because right. then it's an inaccurate depiction. They were both raised in the Mormon, correct? Faith. Yes. Anyway, that I thought that was fascinating. Totally fascinating. Now, for a little change of pace, we're going to Kate Spina, who, luckily, I got to see speak at a uh, Buddhist lecture series, and uh, she was leading a meditation, and 
she, uh, she was it was all about sex, and I was blown away. So she came on the podcast, and here we go. Sex in Buddhism. And Kate, you're a meditation facilitator. Yep, with um, Against the Stream Buddhist Meditation Society. We have two centers in LA, and then I also facilitate and lead groups in other spots. So, Very cool. Yeah. The big question that we have today is how does sex fit into Buddhism? I think, I mean, this is my favorite thing to talk about. Oh, mine too. <laughs> how, how coincidental. Yep. Because it's so frustrating because so many spiritual traditions don't talk about sexuality at all. And, or it's like just for procreation, but it's a part of our lives. And so... And a good part of our lives. A super good part of our lives. So <laughs> what I love about Buddhism is that there is some actual limited guidance around how to fold sexuality into our lives. Mm -hmm. um, we're asked to be wise with our sexual energy. And there's like flexibility in how that's translated. And I've figured out some different tools that have worked for me. But I love that it's a part of it. That it's not saying, oh, this isn't part of your life. It's saying it is, but you can still be spiritual and wise about it. Okay, so here's the question. So a while ago when I started getting interested in mindfulness, mom came to me and she was like, well, does, doesn't the Buddha say you can't have sex? Yeah, I thought that that was the case. Well, so what the Buddha said is that if you wanted to become a monk or a nun, you couldn't oh, have sex. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Other than that, it's fair game. It is fair game. There are some in the teachings. He does say something about you can only get to a certain level of enlightenment if you're still having sex, like to get fully, fully to realize nirvana, you need to be celibate. I guess I ain't going to nirvana. Same. <laughs> I'm going to hell in a handbasket. No, you could still get part of the way there. Okay. So your, your next lifetime, that that version of then you I'm, can be celibate. Then I'm screwed. Okay. <laughs> Literally. Or not really. Okay. So why do you, what prevents you from reaching nirvana if you're having sex? It's such a powerful energy. And so um, the whole idea of reaching nirvana is that we get rid of any clinging or desire and that this is such a powerful energy that we're never gonna let go fully of of desire if we're acting on it oh so it's kind of like if we're acting on it it it's a desire. It, it, it uh, like re-triggers it. And yeah, it perpetuates, it, it perpetuates the cycle of desire and craving. Whereas if we take it out of our systems and we have an opportunity to let go of that. And you know, I always thought Nirvana was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> None of that sounds good. <laughs> so we, can you get into like the details and what the Buddha says up for lay people, how they should approach sex? Sure. So um it's part of the precepts, which are these kind of training rules that we're asked to take on, and they're all based in non-harming. So there's not killing, not stealing, not lying, not being clouded with intoxicants. And then also the third one, the one in the middle, is around being wise with our sexual energy. And the only thing that's really laid out is no... Um, no sex with minors, no sex with monks or nuns, no sex with people already in committed relationships, no sex with animals. I was going to go, what about no sex with animals? Yeah, it's in there. What about animals? It's in there. I freaking love this. You I do? Think, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I thought if you're going to be a Buddhist and, and reach nirvana, that means you don't, you can't have sex. You want that? Uh, I First of all, if, as a lay person practicing Buddhism, you're, you, she's saying you can have sex. Right. Not only I'm can. not intending to become a monk and go to a, a monastery and spend the rest of my life in silence. You've told me in the past that you would love to do that. I'm on the edge. 
<laughs> I would, I, I, because I could see how uh, it would be very nice to live without desire. Um, and I could also see that when I do have, like, if, if I do masturbate, then the next night I'm going to want to masturbate more. Like, it's, it's similar to, like, eating a piece of candy. If, if I eat a piece of candy one night, the following night, no matter what, I have this craving for that candy again. All right. Well, I ain't going to the full Nevada, that's for sure. No, I don't I, think I'm you are. I'm not giving up my sexual energy. Yeah. It is it is interesting because in that in a lot of these spiritual traditions, these Eastern spiritual traditions, some people take the complete opposite approach and get in touch with like your Kundalini energy and it's like it becomes like a part of you know, that sex becomes a very important part of your creativity and your spiritual yeah. practice. I once this, interviewed a guy that was it was like he was like the leader of a sex cult. Yeah, so it is interesting that in a very traditional Buddhist um, setting, that sex is is not it, it, it is not recommended. But uh, for lay people, it sounds it sounds like a nice hybrid. Okay, then. Now, and moving right along to the almost like the opposite of that is Chris Bryant, who was a Catholic and down in, down in the South. Oh man, he's a comic as well. Hilarious. Also a masseur. Also gay check this out i was actually a big part of the abstinence program growing up because oh. that's what you do when you're gay and in the bible belt you are the head of the abstinence program <laughs> i was like they're like why aren't you dating girls i'm like no i'm just i'm dating god i'm just dating god and saving myself for, for... Oh, okay so, but I mean, someone must have indoctrinated you into this what line of thinking. I, I grew up Christian. My family was very religious, but also just in the South, everyone's very religious. Gotcha. Yeah, every, it's just, it's more... So that's being promoted then. So any viewers or listeners, it's promoted that in the South, you don't masturbate. Well, I also, you have to, I grew up in the, because uh, is the Bush, the George Bush is, uh, what was it? The, um, he had the abstinence programs, like they, they were funding the abstinence programs really hardcore during school. So yeah. it was something that's kind of taught in, in school. And it was also just taught that it was just like, that it was wrong or that there, you know, that there's something, you know, very, uh, that, that, that was something that you shouldn't do more so they were more so about about you know with girls of course um but no, yeah i don't know why of course yeah. why would they be more so with girls because they're oh because it's very sexist and okay. of course it's like for 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 religious people they're always more harder on girls and women's purity than they are on men because of years of sexism and you know everything that's taken place so really yeah there, I think See, it's something you're about a little different. It's a little different than uh, I guess the big cities. A little bit, <laughs> just a little okay. bit. Yeah, I there. There's definitely a lot of sexism. I think girls had it a lot, a, a lot worse, and there was a lot more the the scare tactics that they would use against women. But then at the same time, it's like then they would be wondering why so many there are so many teen pregnancies. Yeah. And so yeah. because you weren't teaching really anything about safe sex, you were just teaching abstinence. And of course, no yeah. one was following it. So that's why there's so many teen pregnancies. So then what? So you move out here. Yeah. And at that point, are you still practicing abstinence and no masturbation? Um, I, I think I started looking at porn when I started looking here, like when I started moving, you know, moved to here. And it's so weird because I didn't really realize like 
gay was a thing. Like, I thought it, it was this horrible, horrible sin. So to see people that were, like, outwardly gay, I was just like, like, what is this? Like, I, <laughs> it just didn't, I don't know how to explain it, but just growing up the way that we did, gay people were like, it was like seeing a, ter- like, a terrorist on TV. Like, that's how we saw gay people from afar. Like, Oh it, it's God. so funny. It's I would probably have the same reaction if I met a KKK member. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we didn't see KKK. I just kind of like slowly figured out. I was like, huh, those my family are, those... they're going to meetings awfully late. You know what <laughs> I mean? They come, where are all our bed sheets? Yeah. <laughs> they're all missing. Speaking of bed sheets, I think this is a perfect time to thank our sponsor, Lola. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. They now offer sex products, too. And the reason I mentioned bedsheets is because after using Lola, <laughs> you will not be worried as much about staining your goddamn bedsheets. But it's more than that. What I like is their customization and their subscription-based products. So I mean, what does that mean, Mother? Meaning that if you want to order tampons, for example, which are all-natural, what you do is you go to their uh, website and you just select like whatever absorbency you want, the frequency you want, how many pads, how many tampons. I mean, there's so many different varieties that you could choose from. And the lubes that they have are 95% organic lube and water-based, which I like too. When it comes to food, we're, we care about the ingredients we put into our body. So when it comes to sex products and, and tampons, we should care what goes into our body. Including condoms, by the way. Trust me. You don't think I knew that? I'm very (laughs) excited by the fact they don't include any parabens. (laughs) For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com. That's M-Y-L-O-L-A.com. And enter promo code MOM when you subscribe. You'll get 40% off. That is a freaking deal. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Lola, too. And then up next, we have our Quaker, Jonathan Blake, who was just on a little while ago, and we couldn't, we couldn't resist. They had to put a little clip from him in there, too, about what it's like being a Quaker. He's now a Buddhist clown, but he was raised in the Quaker tradition. It, but his Quaker tradition affected not only his masturbation, but... I'll let them hear oh, this, Oh, sorry. Mother. Okay. You saw that on the uh, sticky note on our wall that said Buddhist clown, and I you're did. like... <laughs> what, what did you think? I thought... Oh, was that for me? <laughs> <laughs> and then realized, no, it's both you and Cam. Was your opinion of sex shaped by your Buddhist practices? Um, I, I would say that my my being a Buddhist helped me helped me out of my initial Christian upbringing oh, um, so you were not raised buddhist you were no. you got into it on your own yeah so, so were you catholic um quaker oh. wow we had mormons on and now oh. we've got a quaker that's yeah. pretty cool i feel that being a buddhist was very instrumental in me being able to have sex okay mm-hmm. wait first of all you're you're you said you're uh, before you're 37 yes okay so up until six years ago there was no sex up until three months ago, oh, there okay. was no sex. Three months ago. So, okay. so thir- 37 has been my sexiest year yet. I <laughs> see. It was a long time coming, so to speak. Oh, yeah. So you were raised a Quaker. Yes. How was, se- was sex perceived there? You have sex when you're married. Okay. after you're married. So this is very similar to Mormon. Uh-huh. The, the Mormon. And what about and masturbation? It, masturbation was considered to be sinful. 
So I I didn't masturbate for the first time until I was 21. And I had been, I was a student at Fullerton College and I was in speech class. And one of my friends gave a talk on masturbation. And I thought, that could be fun to try. <laughs> <laughs> Were you like ready to blow up? You didn't feel any urges like, oh, I need, there's something here. Um, that, that really was all taken care of through i i would have wet dreams mm-hmm. which we were told is like that's kind of the god approved way of letting uh, go of all that cuz you're not um, really like participating it's like it's beyond your control yeah oh, so that's interesting yeah my my first time masturbating was, was actually it it was difficult like it it took me it actually took me a while before it just started more happening naturally, like like you would think that twenty one years you're would, gonna explode. But yeah, but no. <laughs> what so what do they say would happen to you if you had masturbated? Oh, it, it was more just that. What brought about your masturbation? It was the lustful thoughts. So so the idea of it was like by by the time you're masturbating, you've already sinned because you've been looking at people or thinking about people in lustful or covetous ways. Oh, damn. What was the most difficult thing for me, I wouldn't wouldn't say it was the theological hang-ups about sex, even though that would happen. It, It was more that as I was growing up in the church, that ministers would say like, well, let, let's take a look at Jonathan. Not much to look at, but did you know he has a heart for God? A heart for God, but yeah. not much to look at. Oh, Poor little Jonathan. What a horrible thing to say to somebody. But really, this this idea of, it's interesting. It wasn't really don't do this. It's like it, don't do this because you're not supposed to lust after someone. Right. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which is I have strong feelings against because I feel fantasy is good. That it is. I. I mean, it's amazing that just this, th- these ideas of like don't masturbate, or and don't have sex before marriage can have such an impact on young kids and young guys. At, I yeah. mean, we're talking and, about and yeah. You can go to war, you know. You can vote, you can drive a car, but you can't masturbate. Yeah. I. <laughs> Up next, we we have. But it, there is no religion that actually recommends masturbation either. Which I think is kind of interesting. How do you know that we don't? The religion we, of Karen Potter recommends say, Karen Lee Potter recommends that's masturbation. Right. Yes, I recommend it highly, and I think anyone in their right mind at this point would say it's a good idea. It'll definitely relieve a lot of tension. Well, we were also the number one tip that we got from the sex educator very recently, Maria Falzoni, suge- suggested that her her the one thing she could recommend is to get to know yourself sexually, which means masturbate. That's right. It's it's good for releasing the tension, and it's also good for knowing how your body works. Because you're the t- only one who and then knows. Training, yeah, and then training someone else to, to know that. Exactly, or at least help you out with it. Amazing. All right, up next. Up next, we got Polly Boy. Polly Boy is another clown friend. I We did interview a lot of clown friends, and uh, the, the, I'm very happy they came on the show. And, and I did not realize that they like they had such... Strong religious upbringings. No, his wasn't actually. He just got involved with a cult when That's he came correct. to Los okay, Angeles. Okay, so so this is this is more of like a 
a Christian-related cult. We're not sure exactly the name of it. But the, what's interesting is that Chris Bryant earlier, he came from the South where he was in a, a heavy Christian background and then came to Los Angeles where he became like free as a bird. And, and started, Paulie Boy and, comes out here from not having a religious faith in, in Milwaukee and he comes out here and he joins a fucking cult. <laughs> All right, here it goes. So then I got here and got an agent almost immediately, but then joined this cult, this church, because I broke what, up with this girl. What, what, what cult? And uh, I don't know what it is now, but at the time it was just very intense. And they expected a lot out of you. And you I didn't dedicated know this my whole life. I had no idea. Are you serious? I had no idea. So at that time they said, hey, don't, you know, I know you want to be an actor. Don't uh, put it on hold for Jesus. You know, he doesn't want you to do that. No sex before marriage, no kissing. Wait, no they nothing. wanted you to put your acting career on hold? Yeah, they basically said, hey, you're kind of new Christian in, in, in joining their church, and it's, you should really focus on God and focus on the religion. And, and you know. How did this start? You'll like, get where guided. did you find this person? Or uh, this I grew up, my dad was born again Christian, and I rebelled. I hated it. I hated church. I hated all of it. I thought it was something was wrong about it, but I f also felt like this was the way to do it. I have to live this way. So after breaking up with this girl in L.A., I felt like, shit, I have nowhere to go. I have no friends. Oh, wow. Uh, I was I broke up with this girl. I didn't know anybody. I was so I still want to go back to the cult. How did you end up well, joining she, yeah, the cult? She's, he's explaining. So no. uh, I didn't drink. I've never drank or did drugs. I didn't have any way to escape. I felt like, oh, Jesus is the way to healing. And I called my grandmother. I said, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm miserable. She said, I said, I'm going to go to the emergency room. I just feel like I don't know what I'm going to do. Hmm. Went to the emergency room. She, this woman was so sweet. She checked me out. She knew I was fine, but then after she goes, hey, why don't you come to this church? Ah. You, you may, um, it may do something for you. So she was working in an emergency room looking for... She was recruiting, recruiting in, in a nurse. dang church. No man. Not in a nursing room, in an emergency room. Unbelievable. Yeah. No yeah. way. Yeah. So you started going. Started going convincing. and it was convincing for me because I thought that was the way and I met really great people. It was like a... A young church, a lot of actors. There was like live performances I saw, which were oh, great. Wow. And I thought, wow, there's people who are working on TV who are in the church. I thought this is this is meant to be. This is not because I want to be in Hollywood. No, not Scientology. It's all uh, Christian, Bible based. Uh, and I did that for about a year or so, and then I got kicked out, and then I came back and I got kicked out again. Why were they kicking you out? <sighs> oh my God! Now I'm realizing people are going to be able to look this church up. Whatever, man. It just wasn't cool what they did. All right. Um, because when you're part of this church, I went to church twice a week and met in the smaller meetings once a week. No sex, no kissing, no nothing. You have to have a double date. You can't talk to girls oh, after wow. midnight. Uh, but so anytime you have a sin, you have somebody above you called a discipler that you report your sin to. So I was like a 23-year-old kid, so I was masturbating. I was like making out with girls. And one time instead of church, going to church, like went and like hung out with a girl all night and we hooked up. And I would tell my, my sponsor, disciple of this, and then eventually, it, through certain steps, they go, they, they read the Bible to you, go, hey, man, at this point, we actually have to, have to ask you to leave the church. Oh, wow. Because you're like defiling the body or something, and the, the body of the church. Hmm. And they this read the scripture and everything, and I went, amazing. okay, shit, all right. It actually, it doesn't sound <laughs> right. too cultish, though, if they're telling you you got to go. It sounds Man, just more dude, like we have a whole other podcast about that. The, it is, yes. Uh, it, the church has since changed. A lot of people have left. Some people are still there. God bless anybody who's still there. I don't judge it. But what they were doing then, this is not, this is not spirituality. Yeah. No, wow. no doubt. Wow. Any, anybody tells you you can't masturbate is 
It's got. And you know what I learned? This is crazy. This got to be crazy. This is great because this the sin was the act of masturbation, and I figured out. Oh, what if I don't touch myself? Can I masturbate without touching myself and have an orgasm? Like a wet dream. Uh, like a wet dream, but, but you're, you're awake, awake and you're controlling. Oh, it. I've thought about this. Can you do it you, or no? Dude, I did it. It was crazy. <laughs> when you're that young, because I was calling my so disciple every every hour, going, "Hey, man, I just masturbated again. Uh, hope God forgives me." I felt super guilty. <laughs> He's about like you again, jacking <laughs> off. You know, I, I was young and I was horny him. and I just you know was discovering my sexuality. This, I've gotten um, requests for coaching about this from young guys all over the world who are part of church-related groups that say that you can't masturbate. And I it's feel so be tough. bad. I mean, so, so that'd be a short it, coaching session for me. Up, <laughs> well, apparently it wasn't. Dude, just jack off. And you, wait, were in there, you, know? you were in there for so a while, listen, I'm, I'm in the So I'm in the bathroom going, oh, there's got to be a way around this, what they say in the Bible. So I remember being, the shower was on, and it, it was, or, and the bath was going and the shower was on. A lot of water flowing. Yeah, a lot of, a lot, a lot of water, water. A lot of water flowing. This is, this is, you would never expect this way. And uh, put some candles on. And I literally got on my, my knees and I imagined having sex with somebody. I'm not even touching. Yeah. And I fucking came. Wait, with yeah, the candles? With what? You said something about candles. Yeah, I put, can- yeah, I put candles set in the mood. Set the mood a little bit. I, I thought I you wanted burning you know? our dick with the candles. I was like, I what? definitely don't. I, uh, I think I could achieve that at, th- yeah. at this point. Be, due to my oversensitivity, it's all it's all in here. <laughs> it's all mental. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. You think you could still do that or no? I think if I wanted to, but you know, fast forward twenty some years, I'm rediscovering just a new way of my sexuality. Polly Boy is unbelievable. I first of all, how he fell into a cult by going to the ER is out of control, and then he gets kicked out of the cult, and he tries to start masturbating. <laughs> Without hands, without using his body. But but why would anybody... I understand why someone would want to be in a cult because he was desperate at the time. He didn't have any friends. You know, and they take advantage... Unfortunately, I think that... It, and maybe they're well-intentioned, but they, I feel like cults in particular take advantage of people that are just misfits. They just don't fit in anywhere. They're depressed, maybe. They've got issues, and they, and they prey on people like this. Yeah, well... I th- I think a lot of these religions are actually I I'm actually pro some of these a lot of these religions just because it preaches like very good I think Jesus was a great guy and I think it it preaches a lot of good concepts when it comes to masturbation and sex before marriage it, this is a I think it actually does more harm than good and in this situation it sounds like uh they it, they didn't even want him to develop his career because they wanted him to focus on God. So yeah, this That's, is, so this I, I guess to take it to an extreme, it ends up usually causing more damage. I think, and I was started thinking about this when I was listening to all of these. Is that when I first learned about sex, which I really didn't learn much, except I, I for some reason felt ashamed of touching myself, uh, or or if I was at a party with uh, my friends and we were playing I don't know silly games about kissing each other and stuff that normal kids experiment with. I don't know if you did, but. That's how we used to do that with our my my friends. What did that look like? We were like pretend like we'd kiss each other or we'd try to kiss each other or whatever, or give each other um massages and I think we were experimenting a little sexually. I mean nothing like like I wouldn't say it was like an orgy or anything, but I definitely remember like growing up feeling ashamed. Hmm. Where did uh, the shame come from? Because I I believe that I must have received it from my parents. That you should not touch yourself. Or not let anybody else touch me. 
Uh, however, yeah, I was even attacked on a, a on like one of these subways in I think Greece or something. Some guy just grabbed me by the pussy, as uh, Donald Trump would say. And yeah, I was I didn't want to tell my dad what happened because I was so embarrassed. Because you didn't want to acknowledge it was even possible. I don't know. I think it felt. I think the problem is is that because we don't talk about sex, children feel shame. Yeah. Yeah. I. Well, guess what? We We're moving one, on to our final. We have one more. And talk about someone who is removing the shame from <laughs> masturbation. Her name is Jupiter Slut. Jupiter Slut is such a character that we met at a sex expo. And uh, we we fell in love with her. And she came on the podcast and told her told us about her new project that I'll let her tell you about. You want to tell us a little about your story? and Because you mentioned it all started with a little religion. I want to start when you, you talked about your high school experiences. That was great. Yeah. I mean, it, high school is, a, is typically a time where we're starting to explore our sexuality and to blossom and to bloom. And even while I was still a virgin, just making out with boys who weren't necessarily my boyfriend or we weren't going steady and the amount of pleasure I was experiencing during makeout sessions made me realize I was a slut. <laughs> I and, love it. And for me, that was still really shame associated because yeah. of my religious upbringing. So I started calling myself in all irony and in all earnestness, the virgin slut. <laughs> and it made me a little scared to lose my virginity because I was like, I'm already so bad. What's going to happen when? Wait, what, what was so slutty about you? were just hooking up with a bunch of people or? No, she said making out. Oh, it, just making it. You know, yeah, just making out, but also, I mean, just enjoying pleasure as a woman. That's in some religious circles that that's pretty condemnable. Totally. Gotcha. What, what religion did you grow up with? Non-denominational fundamentalist born again Christian. Ooh. Uh-huh. My dad uh, converted out of Catholicism when I was about three. Um, so and, and, and I'm we ha- I also lived in a very progressive town, a very liberal hippie town. So I was raised well enough that I could ask my dad, hey, dad, why does God not want you to masturbate? And my, is that part of the religion? Um, well, I'm sure they don't all agree, but that was my church's di- my that's my church's thing. Yeah. And my dad said, well, it doesn't say exactly in the Bible, but I think it makes sense because love is supposed to be about giving and masturbation would make you selfish. So I pretty much rejected all of my dad's religious teachings intellectually. But what I didn't realize until I started doing this masturbation project and writing about it in particular was that I really carried the emotional message of that even while I, I intellectually rejected my religious upbringing in my late teens. I think a big part of why I didn't enjoy masturbation was because I was afraid it made me a bad person. So I really mm. genuinely didn't enjoy it. Now, sometimes I had wet dreams, but, <laughs> you know, but on the whole, I really tried to suppress that. You, tr- you felt guilty? I didn't even want to do it. Oh, I, didn't, okay. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do scared. that. you're <laughs> scared. Yeah. yeah. That'll smoke you down. So wh- what is this uh, project that you're discussing, you're describing right now? Yeah. So I um, was married for 15 years doing... Um, doing everything right and being the good person that the, the good trying to be the good person that I was what I the definition of what I was told was a good person I got married um had a kid was monogamous and that all worked pretty well except that I was kind of dying inside um <laughs> I thought in a 15 year marriage that I had matured sexually as a woman 
but I didn't masturbate during my marriage because I had thought that would kind of be insinuating that my husband wasn't satisfying me. Mm. And I also still had a lot of shame and baggage about it that I didn't have to think about because I was getting laid at least for the first 10 years on enough, a regular enough basis that it wasn't on issue. And uh, so after I got separated, I wanted to spend some time being single and finding myself. I didn't want to fall into another person and lose my identity again. Um, but I also knew I needed to honor that I was having a sexual awakening and I couldn't believe that even as I was starting to dabble with kink, the masturbation shame just wouldn't leave. Hmm. And I'd already started a, um, a blog. So I was already kind of right tackling these subjects and it just came to me that I would do a once a week vlog of video diary of my masturbation practice once a week for a year and Whoa. figure out. And you're you, videotaping yourself masturbating. Yeah. And it, putting and it where? On my blog. <laughs> doesn't everybody it was really fun it was really it sounds fun actually it, it was it was really exhilarating and at first it was just like me in a jar of coconut milk and my little floral nightgown in my bed <laughs> and it was going to be like here's the coconut oil um i rub it with this hand like that oh my god um, I was. I really wanted to do something was that was very true. I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to make it look like I knew more than I knew. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to make it look like I come faster than I come. I. I wanted. I. I, I come slowly. So this I, could go on for like forty five minutes. Yeah, easily. Okay. <laughs> Did it? Hurt? Was it hurt or hurt? Was it more challenging <laughs> to get there when you had a camera sitting in front of you? No, because I am a natural-born exhibitionist, yeah, and the camera a, turned me on. I would think that's a turn-on. Oh, wow. I actually think w- that's a great turn-on. Was that turn part of the project? Were, were you like, this might actually help if the camera's there? Yes and no. So what, we've talked about those parts of like where it's always been there, but I was repressing it. So that wasn't a conscious part when I set out to do it. But through the through the course of the project, I had to, I didn't identify as an exhibitionist before the project, but I had to see that that was clearly and consistently a turn on for me. And that I would fantasize about who, like who I would say fantasize about the lens on the camera and, or who may eventually see oh, wow. the video footage as I masturbated. That is wild. Wow. Okay. So what stood out, a few things stood out, but one of them she said, which is really interesting is she said that her father said, masturbation makes you selfish. Mm. When in effect, you pleasing yourself is should be the most important thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't it really important for you to become uh, aware of self pleasure? Yeah, yeah, and I think that a lot of times someone's own pleasure will be completely derived from seeing the other person experience pleasure. And that was my other question. I was thinking when she said that about the camera and about masturbating, and she said her husband would think if she masturbated that he didn't satisfy her. I, I think everybody should masturbate in front of their partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had a girl masturbate in front of you? No. No, I don't think I have. Have you ever masturbated in front of a girl? I don't think I have. Maybe and you should try it. I think I asked one person once, and she said it was too vulnerable. And actually, I was on a date recently where someone asked me what would happen if... She brought a vibrator along after in after sex, she took it out and started uh, using it to finish off. Would I be offended? And what'd you say? Hell no. Go for it. Yeah, it'd be uh, probably another turn on for you. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I was also thinking about, you know, obviously everyone knows that I come quicker than That's I want to. That's what I was to. thinking. And I think that might be related. And a lot of times sex 
therapists have come on the show and said that the reason a lot of men develop premature ejaculation is because they train their bodies to try to get when they're masturbating, especially when they're right. younger, to try to get it over with as quickly as possible so they're not caught. Right. So there's shame associated right. with being caught masturbating. And then obviously you'd be ashamed to masturbate in front of someone else. Right. I don't think I'm... A, I actually think I'd be very comfortable When you're a kid, you're taught so, yes, you masturbate in front right. of someone. So, so I think I'm still working to counteract a lot of those hab- habitual behaviors. Totally. To, to, yeah, you, yeah. I think that everyone is a task. Everyone who's listening to this, please masturbate in front of your partner and let me know how it is. And if you don't have a partner, go masturbate yourself and take a long time. Or do what Jupiter Slut does and take videos of yourself. Yeah. Just don't let anybody get a hold of those videos because they'll be all over the internet. Yeah, it is interesting how this whole, you have to be able to love yourself before you can love someone else yes. kind of fits into all of this. That's what I was thinking when I first heard that. And she's like, well, her father said it was, he was, she'd be selfish. That's the first thing I thought of. And also when she's like, no problem, easily masturbating for 45 minutes or more. Yeah, totally. And a lot of women are like embarrassed to admit that it takes them a long time to masturbate and come. And who says that's a long time? Maybe that's what how how long it takes. Yeah, it's, it, that apparently that's the average. So, this has been a very fun eight religion sex episode. Right. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope so too, because uh, I've had a lot of fun listening and and remembering and learning from these. And I want to thank everyone. This, we're almost at a year mark. This is the holiday season. Thank you guys so, so much for all of the love that you've shown us. Just by giving us your attention, you're really showing us a lot of love. And I very much appreciate it. We totally appreciate every single one of your downloads. And uh, to all the people that were featured in this uh, this podcast, we really thank you for, for being so vulnerable and telling us your stories. Yeah, because I can imagine it would be very scary to, to share it. I mean, these are the, the first time, time you, you you were friends with a lot of these people. You didn't even know they were involved in cults. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so right. let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and the Mormons and the Buddhas and the non-denominational <laughs> fundamentalist Christians too. And if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom. Oh, I like the ending. <laughs> Bye-bye.